Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. Can you believe that Christmas is over already? All of the preparations, all the cooking, all the cookies, all the presents, all the wrapping, all of the parties, everything comes together and this big, huge, monumental day, and then poof, it's gone. Now, if you're anything like my mom, she prepares for Christmas the day after Christmas for the next year. So literally, as we're speaking right now, my mother is preparing for Christmas 2022. She is a Christmas fanatic, and maybe you're one of those people as well. And Christmas preparations are different for everybody. In my opinion, I believe Christmas really doesn't start until after Thanksgiving. I want to celebrate, eat some turkey, and enjoy that day, watch some football, and the Macy's Day Parade, and then Christmas starts later that night. But really, it's different for everybody. And the great debate that comes around for all of us is Christmas music. Christmas music, when does this start? Can you start playing this when it starts to get a little bit cold in the fall? Do you wait until the official start of Christmas? In my opinion, the season starts after Thanksgiving. And some people listen to Christmas music all year long, which I think is just, it oversaturates the whole thing, man. You don't really enjoy Christmas music when you listen to the whole year round, but that's a debate for another day. Regardless, we all celebrate and we all get ready in some way for this big day and here we sit the day after christmas and it's over our garbage cans are full of wrapping paper the cookies are half eaten we're kind of over eggnog by now and we're like great and we're in january's around the corner and it's going to be cold for months and so now the after kind of happens the letdowns the i can't believe it's overs the day after christmas And so for so many of us, Christmas happens in one small segment, but you might be part of that family group that celebrates for an entire week or a couple of weeks, right? You travel, you see different families. And so for you, you're like, Jason, cool story, but like our Christmas is just getting ramped up. We're going to Christmas hard all the way until New Year's. So for you guys, this is just a small piece of it. But really, regardless of when your Christmas celebrations end, there's going to be a time when it ends. And then... Christmas becomes a memory. Christmas becomes something that gets locked into your pictures, your videos, your heart, into photo books, and it becomes now Facebook pictures. It's a time of your past. Christmas 2021, for the majority of us at this point, is over. But something you may not know is that Christmas did not end on December 25th. In fact, Christmas was a much longer, larger celebration than when we really do. So yeah, some of our parties are still going on, but but really the long-term celebration of Christmas lasted much longer. For some of our church traditions and some Anglican, some Catholic, some Eastern Orthodox, they have a celebration of a feast day called on February 2nd that lasts much longer. They look at it as a 40-day. Now, they're not still giving presents and celebrating, but they look at February 2nd as a very sacred, special day. Some call it the presentation of the Lord. Some call it Candlemas, 
the meeting of the Lord. There's different names for it. Even the purification of the Holy Virgin. And all of these celebrations come together, whatever they call it, February 2nd is special. February 2nd marks 40 days after the birth of Jesus. In our culture, we don't really understand what that means. Like, what does 40 days after a baby being born really matter at that point? But for Jesus' culture in that time frame, we've got to take a look into what was going on, that why would February 2nd be important? Because that feast celebration that's celebrated by some groups of people really is taken from Scripture. And we see in Scripture a 40-day mark in the life of Jesus. But before we go there, let's talk a little bit about the culture. In the Jewish culture, when a child was born, there was a time of ritualistic cleaning, ceremonial cleaning. And depending if it was a boy or a girl, it can't even change that dynamic. But when there was a time for this woman to give birth, she gave birth to the son or to the daughter. And then there was a time in which she was considered ceremonially unclean. We don't understand this because we don't have that type of culture. But within the Jewish culture, going back to the laws of Moses in the Old Testament, there is a time of understanding that we need to bring and prepare ourselves before God differently than any other day of the year. And so there was cleansing and cleaning, and there were rituals that those people would go through all the time. And one of those specific ones had to do with childbirth and with women. And so within the culture, they would go through this cleansing, and then they would present themselves then to the temple, to the holy people, and then they would be reinstated into the acts of worship. Also during this time, the newborn would be brought to the temple, and the newborn then would be dedicated or consecrated or said, this is a dedication then of our child to the Lord. And all of these laws were brought together for a very interesting reason. It was brought together so that people didn't enter into their worship environment willy-nilly. They don't just walk in, don't really care, haven't really thought about it. They would just come and, hey, God, I'm here. Um, I'm sitting here. This is a great sermon, um, whatever. And they would go home. The culture was very different. When they came into the presence of God and went to a place of, of worship, it was really thought about. How different from our culture, right? You are right now either listening or watching from the comfort of your home or perhaps you're driving in a car. You, we just kind of enter into those times much more casual. We enter into our worship environments. If you come to Sunday gatherings or have been to a Sunday gathering, we don't think about what we're wearing. We don't think about uh, how we had thought about our spiritual life before we come. We just come. It's, our cultures are just drastically different. And because of what happens when Jesus came, the Old Testament, there's just different ways of doing things. So if you ever read the Old Testament, and you're like, this is super confusing. We have to understand it was a different culture and a different time frame. So this time that we enter Jesus into is a group of people who are still living the Old Testament way. And so this is where we enter into this feast day on February 2nd. There's a celebration of the time in which we see Mary and Joseph taking baby Jesus to the temple. And as they're going to this place, uh, Mary is coming to be reinstated. The baby Jesus is now coming to be consecrated. All these things are happening at this time. 
And we're going to be looking at this story in Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 35. Luke 22 to 35 is going to tell the story of a man named Simeon. And before this in Luke 2, we hear the whole story of Jesus. If you read Luke 2 in your homes or have read the chapter before, this is where we get most of our Christmas story from in which we tell the account of Jesus being born. But we stop kind of at the part where Christmas ends and we miss this beautiful continuation of the story because though the event of Jesus had ended, the story is just beginning. And so the story in 22 to 35 is going to take us to 40 days after his birth. Mary and Joseph are going there and this is what's going to happen. Verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what his custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many of Israel and to be a sign that will be a spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So, We enter into this story. Joseph and Mary take the baby. It's 40 days after. They're doing what's required by their Jewish rituals and their customs, which was set up in the Old Testament by Moses during that time. And God had set this for the people. So they were going along the line of what they should be doing. And what's interesting, if you look back into that storyline, that if you could not afford, they're supposed to bring a lamb to be able to be sacrificed. But if you couldn't afford that, then you were allowed to bring uh, something that was simple, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. That would be for the people who were poor. And so here we see Mary and Joseph unable to afford to bring a lamb. And they bring two pigeons, or they bring the doves as a part of their sacrifice. But interesting enough, we call Jesus the Lamb of God, and they brought their son, who was the lamb. Just a little side note for you there as we look in the story. So, They take him for the mandatory offering, and here we find Simeon. Simeon had been waiting for the Messiah. He'd been waiting his entire life. And Scripture says he'd been waiting for the consolation of Israel. The Messiah was the one who's going to remove the sorrow or console, consolation, to console Israel. Israel had been through so much. The people of God in the Old Testament, we hear the story of They were entrapped, they were enslaved, they've been moving, they've gone through all of this, and so there's great sorrow for the people of Israel. And now is Jesus' time. This is completely occupied by Rome. So you've got Roman influence. That's why if you've ever seen the movies, why there's always Roman guards around, because 
They're in charge of everything. They had overtaken the land. But Israel was allowed to rule in certain things. And so many thought that the Messiah would come during their time to free them from all the government and all the ruling, that they would be a great nation and rise up again. But the consolation of Israel, Simeon is waiting for one who's going to ease the pain of God's people. So generations before Simeon, generation upon generation of people have been waiting. They've been waiting for the one to come. They've been waiting for the Messiah. They've been waiting for the chosen one, the one who is going to save God's people. So Simeon sees Jesus, and the Holy Spirit reveals to him that this is the one. How do you know what's going on when the Holy Spirit's working in your life? Something that just is revealed. Only God could make it clear to Simeon at that moment. We don't know if he knew the whole Christmas story of what we just celebrated, a star. We didn't know if he had heard about the angels singing. We don't know any of those stories because none of that's put in this. What we do know is the Holy Spirit reveals to him, this is the one. What a great marker for another sign that Jesus really is the Messiah. So the Spirit reveals to him, hey, this baby right here is the one that's going to save the world. This man has dedicated his entire life to God, and he had been waiting. And so his, rec his recognition and his proclamation as Jesus as the Messiah gives us that sign. Oftentimes, I will hear people ask and, and ask questions, how do I know God's real? How can you prove to me that God is real? And in my studies and through the work of the ancient texts that we have in the scriptures, if we sit and actually do the work to look at how many signs that God has made for us to make it clear, not only that he exists, but he is the Lord God Almighty and that Jesus really is the Messiah, it's pretty mind-bending. But here is another one for us that you may skip over, but understand this guy had been waiting for the Messiah, a baby walks in with a, in, with a poor couple, and he says, that's it, that's the chosen one. Now, why, why is that significant? Why are the pigeons and the doves significant? Many people believe the Messiah was going to be this great military leader. Many believe that this is going to be a huge, big thing for Israel, and that this king was going to come triumphantly. He, everyone's going to listen to him. He's going to great, make great armies. He's going to release the rule of Rome on them. Some believe like that we're going to blow Rome up. But you know what I mean? Like they, this Messiah and this king was going to take over everything. So when you have a poor couple walk in who don't even have the funds to give a, what we'd say, a proper offering for this newborn baby and for this mother who just went through her whole entire nine months of childbirth, instead... He sees this poor couple walk in. This poor couple walks in with a baby, but he could see. He could see something that others couldn't see. He recognized something that others couldn't recognize because when Jesus and his family walks in, he doesn't fit the bill that people thought. Isn't that kind of common for us in our lives too? Like so many times we, we think and want Jesus to be something and we get frustrated that he's not what we want. Simeon was different. He sees something different. Let's go back to our passage here and take a look at this, because this is what Simeon says when he finally meets the one. His entire life has been dedicated to waiting for Messiah. 
He finally meets them. We'll go back to verses 28 to 32. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation for the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Did you catch something huge there? Maybe it skipped by you a little quick. Did you catch something huge there? Israel has been waiting for their Messiah. The Holy Spirit said something that would have shocked the crowds. The Holy Spirit speaks into Simeon to make this proclamation or this statement. Israel is waiting for a Messiah. The Gentiles were not. The Gentiles, if that's a new term to you, are people outside of the people of Israel, outside the Jewish people, the people of God who have been worshiping Yahweh. And these were the people. But God now does something huge in this little statement. And if you read quick, you'd miss it right there. This Messiah is going to save the Gentiles and Israel. That would have shocked the crowd. Because everything that Israel was waiting for for Messiah was that he was going to come to save our people group. He is coming to take care of us because we are the chosen ones of God. So we are the ones who have been waiting so long. We have been suffering. God is coming to save us. But now the Holy Spirit says something different through Simeon. Messiah is coming to save the world. And if we skip past that fact, we miss the beautiful part that very early in the story, the very beginning, as we start to look at the ministry of Jesus and how he is acting with people outside of the people of Israel, how he is engaging with non-Jewish people, how he is loving everybody makes complete and utter sense that in the very beginning of the story, his whole intention from the very beginning of time was that God was going to save the world, not just the Jewish people. So for, for myself, who I'm not Jewish, and uh, for you who are watching who may not have Jewish uh, ancestry, thank you, God, for saving us and for a story bigger than anyone could imagine. What a gift. What a joy that we are part of God's saving plan. Here, Simeon speaks it right there. So they're waiting for the Savior. The Holy Spirit speaks through him. And Mary and Joseph are sitting here and watching this. Um, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Mary and Joseph have gone through a lot. They didn't exactly have like pre-parenting classes back then. They didn't have birthing classes. Um, they didn't have classes on you know how to raise your kid into great ways in which they're going to be super awesome citizens. Uh, they didn't have helmets when they rode their bikes because they didn't have bikes. But you know what I'm saying, right? It was an unsafe world that this baby was being born into. Mary and Joseph have been through a lot. They're a poor couple, and Mary finds out she's going to have a baby, but she's a virgin. Joseph is, finds out that his, his wife-to-be is pregnant, but it's not his because she's a virgin. And they say, do not divorce her. Stay with her because this is something from God. They now get, go through the process. They get on a donkey. They ride all the way over for the census to pay their taxes in Bethlehem. They get there. There's nowhere for them to go. She's got to give birth in really unclean, unsanitary situation. They now have give birth. 
And all of this is not exactly your picturesque, awesome story of a king being born. So all of this is just floating around in their heads. They're, Mary and Joseph are humans, just like you and me. This is a different time frame, right? And so all of this has happened in verse 33. Check this out. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Marveled. Marveled. Marveled? Amazed? I mean, are you blown away, Mary and Joseph? Wait, are you telling us that our son really is the Messiah? Really? Like, this is it? Wait, no, 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 wait, hold on. He really is the Messiah, and our son is going to save Gentiles too? Are you kidding me? And he's going to save all of Israel? Like, our son is going to save the world. I remember my early days of being a dad. It's filled with diapers and, you know, sleepless nights and a lot of rocking and all those things. Um, one of the things I remember most about when I was a first-time early dad is how much this little son of mine relied on me. There's no way if I put my son down and left him, uh, he would survive, unless someone else, of course, jumped in, right? But he was fully dependent on survival on us. He was so fragile. He was so fragile. He, those newborns, if you've ever held or been around a newborn in that early baby stage where their heads are ginormous and way too big, and they just kind of like bobble around on this really small neck, and you feel like, how in the world is this thing just not going to like fall off? I, that early newborn stage is not my jam. I I'm more into the time when they're like two years old and like you can throw pillows at them and knock them down and they don't break. That's more my jam, right? But this newborn child, this newborn baby, when is completely dependent on me. So Mary and Joseph have this newborn baby that are completely dependent on them. Jesus really was a baby. We, we kind of maybe put in our own minds a story or a narrative that's not there. That like newborn baby that we was talking, no, no crying he makes in the song. That's not true. He cried. He, he, he was a normal baby. He had to eat. He went to the bathroom. I mean, he, he is a baby. Like we know babies. And so Mary and Joseph have this little son in their hands that is so fragile. It seems like how in the world would this thing even survive without us, right? So fragile. And they take him there and they bring him and this is now spoken about their son, and it, they're like, this is amazing. You're telling me that this little fragile boy, this son, the angels had spoken about it. There were shepherds, there were stars, and all these things, and now you're telling us he's going to save the world? They marveled, blown away at a fact that this was being said. But we go on because Simeon takes this and then he has a prophecy over him. And a prophecy, in other words of that, the Holy Spirit gives him a word to claim what's going to be happening in the future. Which now that we are on the backside of the story, we know how this ends. So this was true. But he gives this prophecy to Mary. And this is what is hard about this. Before we jump back into this passage, it's not very nice. In fact, it's hard to hear because if you're a newborn mom, your mom with a newborn or your dad 
and you've got this little one and, and you're like, oh, there he's going to save the world. And as you're rocking this beautiful baby back and forth, the man who just made this proclamation then says this to you. Check this out, verse 34. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. So Mary, hey, we're marveling. He's going to change the world. And they're holding him up like this. And Simeon gives a blessing and he says to the mom, I want you to hear this now. Jesus, your son, is going to shake everything up. He's going to change everything. In fact, those who thought they were great are going to fall, and those who are lowly will be lifted up because of him. Um, some people are going to accept your son. Some people are going to reject him. He is going to cause a great division among the people of God. Israel is going to split. Something huge is going to happen because the, your son, the chosen one, is going to break Israel. Some are going to believe in him. Some are not. And then Mary has to hear this. You, Mary, are going to suffer great emotional pain. A sword is going to pierce your soul too. Your son is going to go through so much. He's going to suffer for a cause that's greater than we can ever imagine. Your son's going to save the world, but Mary, your heart, you're going to take a brunt of it too. You're going to be broken. A sword's going to pierce you emotionally, Mary. And you're going to just have this in your life because of your son. Not exactly, I'm sure, what they were expecting when they came to that ceremony. Now, I'm sure that's not what they're expecting when they brought their baby and Simeon starts talking and starts saying, I can now die, God, because you promised me that I would see the Messiah. Now you can take my life. Everything is fulfilled. And he starts to speak. Our son's going to save the world. And Mary, Joseph, your son, is going to cause a lot of division. When I held my son... I had dreams. I held my son and his newborn child in my arms, and I thought, I wonder what he's going to be someday. Is he going to be a pro baseball player? You know, is he going to be a rock star? Is he going to be a CEO of a company? Is he going to be tall? Is he going to be short? Is he going to look more like me, or is he going to look more like my wife? Will, what traits is he going to take from me? Hopefully, only the good ones and not the bad ones. Uh, you know, what, what is my son? What's going to happen to my son? Who's he going to be? Every wonder has that for our parents, as young parents, as you hold your child for the first time. And the firstborn of Mary and Joseph were just told, your son's, son's going to come, he's going to wreck shop, he's going to blow up Israel, and Mary, you're going to suffer. Not exactly the Christmas story we talk about. But there's something huge to this. Without this part of the story, we aren't going to be saved. Because saving the world took a course of action different than any of us, any of them ever imagined. Saving the world was going to take this newborn son, baby Jesus, as he grows into a man and starts to divide people. We read the scriptures. We see people hate his guts. People love him. 
He is hurt, helping hurting broken people and those who are low, He lifts up. And those who believe they're really big deals, He brings them down. All of these things are happening at all the same time in this prophecy we read in scriptures comes true. And Mary had to watch her son walk with a cross on his back as a common criminal to die when he did nothing wrong. And Mary had to watch her son up on the cross as people made fun of him, mocked him. Mary had to sit below the cross as his blood is being drained out from him and life is being taken from an innocent man. She had to watch all of this happen through the course of his life, and it ends in a way that no mother would ever dream it would end. But because Jesus followed the path that was laid out for him, we now know that we can be saved through what Jesus did. And because of what he did, the entire world was saved. It seems that in this, this story, it's not one that we talk about at Christmas time much, but it brings hope to us all. It brings hope to us because this baby in a manger came not as a royal regal king that everyone expected, but as someone that is obtainable and by all of us. To the lowliest of person, to those who think they're great, there's space for all of us at the manger. There's space for all of us as God teaches and transforms us. And there's space for all of us, every single one of us, at the cross. Because at the cross, that was the reason why Jesus came. The cross was the purpose of the manger. And Simeon makes it so clear to this young family that your son is coming to save the world. And unfortunately, it's going to be hard and it's going to cause a lot of pain. So, after the eggnog is gone and the cookies and the presents are done and the paper is all put into black garbage bags and thrown away and all of our stories and our memories of Christmas 2021 start to fade out. What is staying with you now? After the nativities are taken down, the lights come down, the songs are off the radio, what sits with you now? Now that Christmas has come, Christmas has gone, I want to leave something with you that hopefully does not go away. Jesus came to save the world. Jesus came at Christmas to change everything. Jesus came to save us. He came to save you. He came to save the entire world. Simeon had the opportunity to wait and watch for the Savior to come. But have you seen him come? Has he come into your life? Have you recognized him like Simeon recognized? Have you seen that the Savior is here? Do you know that the King has come? Do you know that the cross has happened? Do you know that you can be saved if you call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Because when he was born to go to the cross, he did that so that everyone can be saved. He took the punishment for all of our sin everything that we have done that separates us from God, Jesus fixed it by being the one who took our punishment. And all this, the scriptures make it so clear. Call in the name of the Lord God and you will be saved. Friends, this Christmas, let that be your greatest gift and your greatest memory. 
Call on the name of the Lord and be saved. Know that Christ came and he came for a reason. It's so much bigger even than what we talk about at Christmas because for me, Christmas is the beginning of Easter. In a few months, all of that's going to start ramping back up, right? We're going to start talking about Lent. We're going to start talking about Good Friday. We're going to start talking about Easter. We start to look at the celebration of when Christ died for all of us and we start to look at that time in which we now understand the prophecy of Simeon. But friends, let this Christmas be a mark for you. See the manger and see that the manger is the pathway to the cross and that Jesus came and did something only he could do. He came to save the world. Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.